Um, Go ahead and open to Acts chapter 2. We've been going through a series about the Holy Spirit, and we've been looking at the early church as a point of reference for how the Holy Spirit was not only just in them. It's not that the Holy Spirit comes in you individually, but the Holy Spirit actually dwells in the friendships that we have. When you look at a person like, say, like me and Daniel, the, the way that we would relate to one another, the Holy Spirit should be evident in our relationship with one another, which is why Jesus spent so much time talking about love for one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, sticking up for one another, things like that kind of nature. And so we're, we're at this point in Acts 2, but there's just one quick verse I want to just share. You don't need to turn there, but I just want to share with you guys in light of what we're about to read this morning. And it's in 2 Timothy 1.7, and it's written by a person named Paul, and he says this. He says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It doesn't make us timid, but it gives us power, it gives us love, and it gives us self-discipline. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're about to read a scripture and the story of the Holy Spirit coming down during uh, a festival called Pentecost. This was a major, this is one of the biggest events in human history, probably one of the greatest next to the cross and the resurrection itself. But there's something, it's all about the Holy Spirit in this moment. And I just want to ask you guys about timidity. I want to ask you about courage. What does courage look like in your life? What does power, love, and self-discipline look like in you? Because you know what courage is. Courage and timidity are these kind of polar opposites. Timidity is this kind of, you're weak or you only stand up as long as you're not being challenged in something. It's this, this, oh, I'll just kind of do what pleases everyone. I'll just kind of be quiet and to myself. But courage, courage isn't thinking more of yourself. Courage is trusting and having confidence in God and the courage and the belief that he has in you. Courage is being the person that God has called you to be. Courage is something that God wants for each and every one of us. Courage is believing in what God says about you and having so much confidence that you'd be willing to stand up and to believe that for yourself. Amen. Courage is something that no matter what your personality is like, God gives you the courage to be the person that he's called you to be. See, we're all filled with different personalities in this room. The Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean we're all get put in a cookie cutter and we all look exactly the same. See, the Holy Spirit has made us each unique but full of courage of who God has called us to be, even though we're all different. It's our differences that make us beautiful with one another and that make the Holy Spirit working amongst us. But no matter what your personality is like, extroverted, introverted, athletic, not athletic, smart, not smart, (laughs) you get to be courageous no matter where you come from. You get to be courageous in what the Holy Spirit has called you and has in store for you. And so... This morning, as we, as we look just through the scriptures, there's just something I want to just go forward in this. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture this morning, and I don't want to send you on a wild goose chase. Um, a lot of it is going to be scriptures explaining different aspects of the Holy Spirit. And so what, what we've done is just in the back, there is a list of the scriptures written out, as well as some of the points that I'm going to be sharing this week. If that's something you want to grab before you leave, because I'm going to be going through a lot of things this morning. Does that sound good? Everyone, that's something we want to put in your hands, have an understanding of the Holy Spirit theologically, truthfully, 
Um, but it's also something we want to talk about up front and communicate the power of. And so, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. If you skip down to verse 14, what it kind of just says at that point is that they were speaking all these kinds of different languages, um, languages of that day and age. And it said that people who had gathered for this festival called Pentecost, when festivals happened in Jerusalem, people from all over, not just from Israel, but nations all around would come to celebrate. And so here are people of different languages coming forth and hearing about a room about this size right now, speaking and praising God in their own language. And so it was so much so it's like, how are they able to speak their own language? Are they drunk was one thing that was even said about them. And Peter would say this in verse 14. It says, Peter stood up with the 11, referring to the apostles. It says, he raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Those people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Can we just say amen to that? David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch, King David, died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out on what you see, what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both the Lord and the Messiah. Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, 
what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can we say amen? Powerful word. Truly is one of the greatest days in history. To think about even before that these were a people that were gathering together and praying. The Holy Spirit gets poured out. It's this, it's this, like moment in time, the special moment, um, it's actually referred to in scripture as a kairos moment where something significant happens in the point where God is up to something and God is up to something in this moment and 3,000 are added daily. Could you imagine right now for this room right now, look around, this is about 120-ish, 3,000 people were added in the next 30 minutes because of what the Holy Spirit did. That's what happened here, and that's the power of the Spirit at work in our midst. And when you read a story like this, I think one of the most powerful things when you look in verse 14, back to the very beginning where we were reading, and it said, Peter stood up with the eleven. See, Peter is someone that we know in Scripture as the one who kind of was a knucklehead at times. He was the one who betrayed Jesus. Even though he said he wouldn't, but Jesus is like, man, you're being prideful. And then even then it was proven. And yet you look at the Holy Spirit working in his life and the way it's changed. But I love how it says he stood up with the 11. You see, Peter was the one who was speaking, but everybody felt it. See, when Peter stood up and spoke on behalf of them, it was everyone's voice that was being heard. Yes, one person was audibly speaking, Everyone was speaking. Does that make sense? This is how everyone felt because much like Peter, they knew the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. They knew the transformation that was happening. And that's, that's us as a people. We stand up courageously in the Holy Spirit because we know the transformation power of what we used to be and what we are because of God in our own lives. Gives us the confidence to be who we are. We've talked a lot about the need for the Holy Spirit, how to make room for the Holy Spirit. But what does the Holy Spirit specifically do? This morning, I want to talk kind of through this story for a couple points. Um, It'll be be a lot of um, teaching and scripture because we need to know the truth. We're a people that are founded on truth, and it's only in truth that we could truly move forward in the Lord. And so when you look at at the Holy Spirit and teaching you about it. I don't want it to be in a school sense. I'm not grading you on your knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Your leaders aren't grading you. Can we say amen? We get enough school in our lives. <laughs> but, 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 when God teaches us, he's not teaching us to grade us. He's teaching us because, as he would say, these words lead to life. I want you to know this, and I want you to learn this. I want you to be a student of this for your own sake. So when you look at a scripture like this, you look at, you look at several things and I just want to, I want to go through just three things this morning. I want to talk about when it talks about tongues, 
I want to talk about gifts, and I want to talk about fruits of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good to everyone? Can I get an amen? Are we awake? (laughs) All right. All right. Tongues, when you look at the first four verses, and it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Um, Maybe you've heard of tongues. Maybe you haven't heard of tongues, and so you're wondering what that is. Tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit that's given to us. Tongues can be, it's a, it's a prayer language as described in the word. Tongues is something as described in 1 Corinthians 14 as for us. Um, it says that when we're in a, a setting right here, that to speak in tongues publicly without an interpreter is, goes against orderly worship with one another. And then you're like, I'm sorry, there's an interpreter too? Tongues is something that it can be heavenly languages. Did you know that when we get to heaven, God isn't speaking English to us? Howdy, jail. You know, like in the realms of heaven. But there's heavenly languages, but there's also earthly languages. There have been countless stories throughout generations of people receiving languages immediately on the spot because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because people asked for it, and all of a sudden they knew a language and could go and speak to that people there. That's what we see even in this and that's even a point of them having being able to praise God in different languages so it could go and spread to those places. Tongues is something that um, maybe you have or haven't seen tongues spoken. If you've been to a Tuesday night prayer and worship and you've seen people pray or you've seen people press in the Lord, you probably have seen it. Um, maybe you've seen it at a camp. Maybe you already have the gift of tongues. Maybe you have it in your own life. When I was in junior high, I didn't know anything about tongues. And so I remember coming here, it was a night service, and I was sitting next to my parents, it's all right, just a little bit tired, I get a little tired early at night, it's a personal problem that I have, and all of a sudden, this guy next to me, one pew down, just starts, just going in tongues, and I never heard anything in my life like that before, and I literally went, just leaned over like, mom. What is wrong with that person? Like, does he have a demon? And it's like, no, he's speaking in tongues. And I'm like, great, what's that? You know, like, that doesn't make me feel any better. Tongues is this thing that sometimes doesn't get talked about too often in church or sometimes gets ignored because it can seem weird or it can seem unexplainable. But you know what? Our God is so big and so unexplainable that One of the things about tongues is it's proof of the miraculous work in our own hearts. And it's proof of the miraculous among us. That's the power of it. It's not only encouraging to us, but it can be encouraging to others in the midst of it. It's a point of worship. It's a point where maybe you need to rely on your prayer language when you're in times of trouble. It's a point that can minister healing of the Holy Spirit to your own heart. Um, Tongues is something that Um, God gives you. Sometimes God speaks through you in tongues, and sometimes he gives you the actual gift of it. See, describing tongues, maybe one of the myths that you think about of it is, well, I can't control it. I'm just going to be walking down the aisle at Safeway. I'm just going to drop my basket in, you know, and they're going to, okay. That's not how tongues works. Tongues is something that Um, is in our control. It's something that we praise God with not only our lips, but also our minds. 
as well. It's something that's given to us. It's something that's given in our control, but it's something that God gives to us supernaturally. When I was a leader for high school camp about five years ago, I, I, you know, was filled with the Spirit, but I never had the gift of tongues. I had never asked for it in my life. I had always wondered about it, and actually the camp speaker at that point said this, is anybody, students, leaders, staff, if they want the gift of tongues, we're going to pray for it right now in the baptism of the Spirit. And so what he had us do, he had us, he just had us stand up. And I remember he says, okay, now just start praising God. Just start praising God under your breath. Just, all right, Lord, I love you, praise you, you're awesome. You're a good, good father, you know. And then he goes, Holy Spirit, give him the gift of tongues now. And all of a sudden, I just started praying in this whole different language. And it was like one of those things where my mouth is going and my eyes are like looking down because I don't know what's going on. And I remember just that point of going, what just happened? What just happened? I'm the leader, you know. Oh my gosh. And I remember that point of, I, I just got the gift of tongues and I've had it ever since. It was a baptism of the Holy Spirit in that moment. But you know what? For someone who has grown up in church, someone who, who is filled with the Spirit, it still was something that I had to pursue for myself. And that's something that we get to pursue God in too. Amen? Amen? Absolutely. It's a gift for us from God. It's something that's meant for us right now. One thing also to demyth it or to demystify it, it comes with this. Tongues is a gift of the Spirit, but it's not the only one. It's not the only gift of the Spirit. And so that's something as well just to note because there are plenty of other gifts of the Spirit. There are plenty of other things that come out of our heart on the basis of the Holy Spirit for us. Holy Spirit wants to pour out incredible gifts for us. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, it says this. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In essence, God gives his Spirit for everyone. What God gives to you as a gift is for the benefit of everyone in the room, not just you. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To others, gifts of healing. To other ones, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That's called discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. That's what we just talked about. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Did you know that there are people that have the gift of being able to interpret certain tongues and to interpret certain languages on the spot as well? See, that's the time when actually it says in the word that it's okay to be able to speak tongues in a public setting because that edifies everyone and that benefits everyone. Paul would even say as much as I would rather speak five intelligible words to you than 10,000 tongues because you could understand it. Sounds basic, sounds simple, sounds rational, right? Sounds, sounds like God to me. These are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. When you look at the different kinds of gifts of the Spirit, here's, here's the thing. When God says that he wants to equip you to be the men and women that he's called you to be, that doesn't just mean he just says, go get him, tiger, and go in your own strength. God equips us with gifts. Did you know that there are prophets in this room that don't know it yet? Did you know that there are people who have the gift of healing in this room that don't know it yet? 
Maybe you don't believe that God would want to give you something like that, but he does. And the truth of the matter is, I love that God uses the word gift. He doesn't use the word talent. He doesn't use the word job. He uses this word gift. Because a gift is something that's given freely. See, your gift to prophesy over the future, your gift to heal other people, that's something that's from God, given freely because you asked him. Your gift of tongues is something because you asked for it. It's not your job. I'm giving you a job. All right, God, pay me. Minimum wage. No. It's a gift from God. It's given freely because as a father, he wants to give us gifts freely. And as Jesus would even say, he says, if we know how to give gifts to one another, even though in our hearts, deep down, we have an evil nature, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it, is what it says. How much more would, the whole, would God give us gifts and give us those things if we simply asked for it. Gifts are interesting because not everybody has every single gift. But everybody has at least one gift. God wants to give things to us. He wants to equip us to do certain things. God wants to give us maybe a word of prophecy. Maybe you, you are in a place where God has something for you. Or you just that's something that burns in your heart and you want it. I had a junior higher... Um, this last year, come up to me, and it was interesting to see the Holy Spirit working in her life, but then her just begin to embrace it. So she was at school, and she saw someone at school, and she just felt like all of a sudden God was telling her to pray for that person. All of a sudden, pray for that person, pray for that person. She didn't know why. She knew the one thing that she knew about that person was he would never step into church. This is the last person that she'd ever see at church. Guess who she saw on Sunday at church? That kid. He walked right in. And she felt this burning that she needed to talk to him about Jesus. Do you see how the Holy Spirit can sometimes burn in our hearts or even counsel us to even embrace those things? Do you think that sense of prayer for that kid was, was a coincidence? It wasn't. That's the Holy Spirit starting to work in our midst and starting to press us to partner with him in it. God has that in store for all of us. God is speaking through his Holy Spirit. And it's this point of partnering together with those things of gifts and whatnot. Gifts might be different for the people that are in the room. Just as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. You see, everyone's a part of the body, and they have a vital gift. You know what? I just want to say this. Some, some gifts... And maybe a little more glamorous than others. A little better marketing ability than others. But every gift is vital to the body. You know, what Paul would even say is, it's like, if you didn't have a nose, you know how weird you'd look? (laughs) That's what he would say. No one part of the body can say to the other, we don't need you because you're not like us. It's like, no, we need every part of the body and we need it to be unique. See, that's us in this room. We need you to be unique. We need you to be exactly who God called you to be. We don't need you to try and be like someone else. We don't need you to try and be like another Christian. We don't need you to try and be exactly like your pastors. We need you to to be exactly like Jesus. Amen? 
You guys are unique, and God made you the way that you are. You don't need to be exactly like your parents. You just need to be exactly like Jesus. Those are people that God places in your life to walk closer to the Lord and to see the Lord. But make no mistake, God made you for you and who you are. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Spiritual gifts is something that we continue to pursue in our lives. We don't sit back and go, well, God, just hand it over. William, like, until I get it, God, I'm not going to believe. Gifts is something that we continue to pursue. God is someone that we continue to pursue gifts and ask for gifts from him. We continue to press in, even when you feel, I'm not sure if God has this in store for me. Continue to pursue the gifts. Maybe you ask for something and God says, that specific gift I don't have in store for you, that doesn't mean you stop asking altogether. That means you continue to pursue what God wants for you. Even when you feel like God gives you a gift, keep pursuing, keep seeking out those gifts. Keep pressing into him. Interesting thing about gifts, and I want to kind of talk about the rest of the morning in this sense. Not everyone has every gift, but every Christian has the fruits of the Spirit. Can everybody say fruit with me? Fruit. Say it again. Fruit. I don't think you can say fruit excitedly. You have to say it very 9 to 5-ish. So, fruit is interesting and it's different in this way. I want to read Galatians 5, 22 through 25. Because fruit is something that's used to describe the Spirit when it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no such law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Have you ever thought why those things like love, joy, peace, patience, all those things would be described as fruits? That's an interesting analogy out of all the things that God could have used to describe those things. Fruit is interesting because fruit comes from somewhere. You see, I brought some fruit up myself, a.k.a. Jamie and Jared grabbed them from the worship room. Thank guys. Fruit is interesting in the nature of they are just a production of something that's already going on. Fruit doesn't drop out of the sky. If it did, we would need some umbrellas. Fruit is something that comes from a tree. It's been grown. It's been poured into long before you see anything outside here. So sometimes with our lives, and I want to talk about this. See, fruit is compared to actions of our lives. Because when it says love is a fruit, love is something that you express outwardly to the people around you. Joy. Joy is something that comes out and is seen in the people around you. Patience is seen out you out in front of you, but it doesn't drop out of the sky. You don't just patient out of nowhere. So sometimes, say this is impatience. We put it here and we just take a giant mallet and we're like, all right, all right, God, I'll get rid of it. Get rid of it. Oh, I'm struggling with the people at school. I'm going to put it out right here. All right. God, I'm struggling with my sexual purity. All right, well, we just got to get rid of that fruit. God, I really struggle with my parents. All right, well, let's just get rid of it. But is the fruit going to continue to grow? 
So if bad fruit is coming, do you think picking off bad fruit from the tree is going to solve the problem, or isn't it just going to grow back? See, Jesus would say make a, you can recognize a tree by the fruit it produces. Jesus would even say that those things, they come from the depths of our heart. See, if fruit is the actions of our lives, then our heart is the tree. Our heart is the roots of where it comes from. Things like love, joy, peace, and patience, but also things like bitterness, hate, envy, jealousy, selfishness, they don't just happen. They come from somewhere. can't tell you how many times something's come out of my mouth and it surprises me, but I have to hold on to it. If I go, man, that was, a, that was a rude thing to say. That doesn't just happen. I have to go, God, where is that in my heart? You're not, you're not acting the way you are by accident. You are who you are because of your heart. And this is why Jesus would say fruits of the Spirit. Because Jesus wants to meet us right here in our heart. How many of you have ever heard in your life that God wants your heart? How many of you have ever heard that at any point in church ever in the history of anything. Do you want to know why God wants your heart? Because that's the roots of our lives. When God has the roots and God has the tree, that's when the fruit gets produced. If God only has the outer fruit, if he just gets the bad fruit, that's not addressing any of the systems, the beliefs, the deep feelings, the, the, the childhood growing up, the hurts, the pains that are truly producing the bad fruit in our lives. Why does God go straight to the heart? Because that's where good fruit is produced. Amen? If you're someone who's struggling in your life or have seen something repetitive in your lives, it's God trying to get your attention that something deeper is going on in your hearts. It's not just an outward thing. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen in my own life or in people around me where they've repetitively struggled with things and they've blamed outer things. They said, oh, this is just an outer thing. Or, oh, I just messed up this one. No, oh, I just... I messed up this one time ten times. It's like, no, there's more to it. It's God's trying to get a hold of your heart. So when God says, I am the vine and you are the branches, he's speaking to our hearts. Because when he's the vine and we're the branches, he produces fruit. And that's his hope for us. He says that. You're my disciples, and my hope for you is that you would bear good fruit, is what he says in John 15. Fruits are things that identify us, just like Jesus says you can identify a tree by its fruit. It's the same thing for us as a church. We don't, we're not identified by necessarily the words that come out of our mouths. We're identified by the fruit that comes of our lives. In fact, one of the best things that you can do, if you can never speak again, what would your life speak to people? What if you couldn't say a word? What if you couldn't try and spin it one way or the other with your words? What would your life speak? That's something to think about because it's the fruit that truly identifies who we are in our lives. It's good for us and it's good for those around us, especially as the people who are called to love one another, especially as the people who have the Holy Spirit amongst one another. We don't love each other by mere words, but by action and truth and the fruit that comes out of our lives. That's where you see the Holy Spirit working amongst us. What fruit is coming of your life? Where does God want to address in your hearts the places? Not just address the outward things to put it here and go, well, all right, let's take a hammer to it. No. God isn't trying to beat 
bad fruit. God is trying to get down to the root of things in our own hearts. What deep down is God going for right now in your heart? What deep down is the Holy Spirit going for in your life? It's really reflective. So one last verse. I'm going to call up the worship team. See, God gives you the Holy Spirit by believing in him, not by your own strength. Maybe you've received the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're in a place where you're struggling in your faith right now, and you think God doesn't, he doesn't love me anymore. I really doubt his Spirit's working in me because of just what I've, I've noticed. No, I need to start earning it. No, I need to start meeting expectations in my own life. Maybe you're in a place where you've, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You felt that spiritual high, and now you're struggling. Now you're just barely staying above water, and you don't know what to do. There's a verse I want to read out of Galatians. Galatians is a letter that was written specifically. It was written by a pastor to a group of people just like this. But it was actually, it wasn't like a, hey, you guys are awesome. It was a, it was a correcting their beliefs kind of letter. Because it was a group of people who started to earn their salvation by doing outer things. And Paul would even go as far as to say, says, no, you guys are good with Christ because of Christ. Not because of what you've done. He says, you can't. You cannot be a Christian on your own strength. You don't understand. And this is what he says to them. He's, he's, he's correcting them, and he speaks about the Holy Spirit, and he says in chapter 3, I would like to learn just one thing from you. He says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or your own hands or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? Now listen to this. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing in what you heard? Does God give you his spirit because you're good enough or because you believed what he heard? Does God work miracles among us because we're good enough or because we believe the message of Jesus in our own lives? It's the belief. We believe in you, God, and we ask for those things because we know who you are. It comes all the way back to where courage comes from. Courage comes from believing in who God says he is, and it's that courage that allows us to step out in who we are. And so if you guys want to go ahead and put, put your Bibles away, we're going to respond now. I know that there was a lot that was that was spoken this morning. That's one of the reasons for just even providing a place of notes in the back. And this isn't something that you just finish on a Sunday morning. Trust me, if your if your depth of God's word is my preaching, you're 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 going really shallow because God has a lot more in store for you, you and Him alone, and in His Word. But there is something I want to respond to in this place. Um, there's, there's a couple of responses, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask us to be bold this morning as well. I think God respects boldness, that this is a place where we encourage one another to be bold in the Lord. We're a church, and we're a family with one another. We're a people that want to encourage one another to step out and eagerly desire the gifts. And so there's a couple of responses I'm just going to ask this morning. I don't want you to worry about the people around you because... If anything, if you're going to think about anything about anyone around you, it's this. They want you to respond because they're your brother and sister in Christ. The first response is this. If you 
want the gift of tongues or you want a gift in your life of prophecy, you want a gift of healing in your life, you want to pursue a gift, you want to say, God, what do you have in store for me this morning? God, I want to eagerly pursue. God, if you've called me to be a prophet, Lord, I want to receive that. God, I want to press in. I want to ask for that this morning. Maybe this morning you want the gift of tongues. You want a language from heaven above so you can praise the Lord in heaven. If that's you, I just want to ask you guys this morning, you want a gift of healing. You know broken people in your lives. You want the gift of discernment. You want to be able to see where God is working amongst you. But here's the boldness I'm just going to ask for you this morning. Would you just stand up right where you're at? Go ahead and stand up right now. Just right where you're at. Awesome. This is so cool to see, guys. You're making such a good decision. You're making the best decision right now. And there's something I just want us to do right now. Just right where you're at, would you close your eyes? And just, even just right where you're at, I want you just to start praising Jesus. Everything when it comes to prayer, close your eyes, guys. I want you to just start praising Jesus. Just pray in a whisper. God, in one of the stories about Elijah, says that his word was a whisper. His whisper is more powerful than the loudest thunder or earthquakes that this world could ever have. Praise him for who he is this morning. Jesus, we love you right now. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you equip them for the ministry that you have in store for them this morning? God, would you equip them for the ministry that you have for them for the rest of their lives, God? Holy Spirit, we just ask right now in Jesus' name, would you pour out the gift of tongues? Would you pour out the gift of tongues on everyone in this place who's asking for it in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, Jesus, would you give this powerful language, not for their sake, but for your sake, God. Just like we sang in this last worship set, yours is the kingdom. Lord, it's not about mine is the kingdom, it's yours is the kingdom this morning. Holy Spirit, would you pour out gifts this morning on you, Lord? God, would you call prophets, Lord, out of hiding? Lord, would you call prophets to stand up before you right now? God, would you call healers? Would you call those who perform miracles on behalf of you this morning? Jesus, we love you this morning. And there's one more thing we want to respond to this morning. We talked about the fruits, and that's something that God wants to meet us in our hearts this morning. And so if, you, if you've noticed things in your life and you're almost scared of yourself this morning, but God says, no, don't be afraid. I want to go into the depths of your heart. I want to go down to the roots. If that's you, would you stand up this morning? If you want the fruits of the Spirit, if you want the fruits of the Spirit, go ahead and stand up right where you're at. This is good for students and leaders. It's for everyone this morning. We're family together. Holy Spirit, we just praise you right now that you're a God that meets us in our hearts. God, would you heal our own hearts? Lord, if there's bad fruit in our lives, if there are things that are happening, God, would you go down to the depths of our own heart this morning and heal us? God, would you address us down at the roots? Please don't address us right at the stem where the bad fruit is attached to, Lord. God, go deep. Lord, would you allow us to see deep into our own hearts? Because, God, we trust you. Lord, your word says that man looks at the outward things, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus, look at our hearts. Lord, would you allow us and meet us there? And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. We say amen.